0: Welcome to the second series of the Reworked podcast, brought to you by Diversity Consultancy, EW Group. I'm Rachel Wilson, and every fortnight I'll be speaking to CEOs, HR leaders, and workplace activists about the steps they are taking to reform and rework organisational culture. Ferrovial Agriman is the construction division of Ferrovial SA, a multinational civil engineering and services company headquartered in Spain. The Construction Division is involved in a number of high-profile infrastructure projects in the UK, including the extension of the Northern Line, High Speed 2, Crossrail and the Thames Tideway Tunnel, amongst others. I'm at their offices in Gunnersbury today to meet Mabel Garcia, who holds a relatively new post of People, Culture and EDI Manager for the Construction Division based here in the UK. And we're going to talk about how Ferovial are overcoming... One of the industry's biggest challenges: the shortage of engineering talent. So, hi, Mabel.
1: Hi, I'm
0: <laughs> great to be here. Thank you
1: so much for inviting me to take part in your podcast. I'm very flattered. Oh, you. I'm
0: really excited to speak to you. So, we've been working together for a, a couple of years now yeah. um, on a variety of projects. Mm. And in our pre-chat before this podcast, we were thinking what can we what can we focus on? What's a really interesting in depth subject that that will be useful for people listening to this podcast. And I think inclusive recruitment, it, it comes up time and time again. Right. It's so pertinent, isn't it, to your sector and the challenges that you that you have, it particularly is. with engineers. Absolutely, yes. Um so the race for engineering talent, yes, it's it's well publicised. Absolutely, yeah. How much of a challenge is that for you here at Ferrovial? It is a big challenge. Um, and I'd say it's not only for
1: Ferrovial, it's it's across the whole industry. Um, we are in a really very competitive market. Um, people have the opportunity to move from project to project. And it's getting ever so uh, challenging to keep and retain uh, good talent. So uh, making sure we choose from a wider pool it's one of our main priorities and um, uh, we are running a number of trainings and um, we thought inclusive recruitment would be a good way to uh, start uh, the journey into making a more inclusive culture here at Ferrovia Lagroman
0: UK. Mm. 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 So maybe actually if you could start by, if you just tell me a little bit what, about what the culture is like because obviously you are Spanish owned, multinational. You're from Spain yourself. I know yes. a lot of people in this office in London are also Spanish nationals. Right. Yes. Um, how does that play out in the culture here? Well, it's uh, it's quite a
1: fun melting pot of uh, different cultures. We have been based. We have been in the UK for about 16 years now, although the company is over 50 years old. And. Um, Here in the UK and Ireland, we have about 500 employees, direct employees, Mm -hmm. uh, with 28 different nationalities. So although this is a Spanish-owned company, the culture is very much international. Uh, There is a prevalence of Spanish culture that you can feel, especially if you're not Spanish, I suppose, because a lot of the people here are, are from Spain. But there are, as I said, many other different countries, so... We uh, work um, on a one-in-one-language policy and we encourage everybody to speak English as a first language. However, as this is London, you know, it's it's an exchange uh, and,
0: um, yeah. Mm. When you're recruiting engineers um, specifically, do they tend to come from UK or... They come from do world. you recruit from Spain a lot into the u k
1: mm, we have a mix um we have a number of uh, engineers that come from Spain from the central uh, offices so people that have been transferred we are, we have businesses all across the world so it's not only from Spain they're coming from australia the u s th- different different areas but we do have a high number of employees that are coming from European countries um we we I mean, we have it's Spanish, but we have a good mix. I wouldn't say like it's a majority of a Spanish engineers that mm. we have. Mm. Um, at the moment, we we are in the process of recruiting new grads, and we go to Scotland, we go to different universities here in the UK. So yeah, I mean, whatever the talent is, we we are going in there, and yeah. Um,
0: Great. Um, speaking of graduates, I was just reading a report this morning in the Engineer magazine. Mm-hmm. It's not a magazine I read every day, but I looked at it this morning <laughs> because I was coming to see you. Really, really. <laughs> um, Which said it was reporting on uh, from it was towards the end of twenty eighteen, saying that forty five percent of all unemployed engineering graduates are from BME backgrounds. Wow, it's quite a. It's quite a. Shocking, surprising it figure, is isn't it? Shocking, it's, it's quite uncomfortable, probably, for the industry it to is. know that because actually, engineering degree courses, from what I know, actually do attract quite diverse um, students. That's it. Um, so, for for almost half of those who don't find work to be from non-white backgrounds, what, what's what's your take on that? Well, definitely, the you know there there is
1: an, an issue with that. You know, 45% of unemployed engineering students uh, coming from a paying background, and on the other flip side of the Bitcoin having a really challenging situation in companies to find talent. Mm. It, it is uh, somewhere along the line, the connection is not made. Either mm-hmm. we're not tapping into this talent, or this talent doesn't feel that um, they will be fit for a company like ourselves or uh, other companies, and this is exactly where we need to work making sure that, you know, we are presented as a company that is welcoming a wide and diverse range of, uh, of backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, into the pool because we know how much connection there is between diversity and innovation, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growth, new ideas, new perspectives. Um, I mean, the, the benefits are endless. So we if we close the door to this 40, to this group of, um, of of society then you know we are losing a huge amount of opportunities coming
0: from 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 there. So absolutely. Yeah. So you've mentioned some of the business drivers there for, for Ferrovial, specific to you around innovation and growth and yeah. um it's clearly really important to the health and the success of Ferrovial that, that you get this right. And I know you're doing lots of interesting things. So yes. um, the other thing you just touched upon there, was, which I think is really important, is understanding what the barriers are. Yeah. So that group of 45%, what, what is it that's getting in the way of, yeah. of hiring them? Um, and you've know, you just mentioned some cultural yeah. things, maybe yeah. some procedural, systemic things. Absolutely.
1: Um, so uh, talking about the drivers, Ferrovial drives their business into being a sustainable uh, an innovative uh, business, so sustainability not only in the sense of uh, economy but also into social sustainability. Most of our projects are for public sector, uh, our clients are uh, public bodies and so we have really high requirements to incorporate uh, a reflection of the societies where we deliver our infrastructure. ...into the workforce where we are building these fantastic um, uh, projects... ...like mm-hmm. the Northern Land Extension, you mentioned the Tideway projects... ...Heathrow, um, all the you know, HS2. So, yes, there is a huge drive from us and from the rest of the industry... ...to work hard into tapping into the, uh, social, the society that we represent. Um, there are a lot of challenges... And I've done a lot of work on the ground to uh, to drive programs to encourage young people coming into the industry. <clears throat> there is still a lot to do, but um, but I think um, we are collectively starting to work together uh, a lot more as as an industry with the with the clients and with the rest of the companies to make sure we all work together to mm-hmm. uh, to to the same uh, goal. Um, the second question that you mentioned about... Um,
0: barriers, yeah. What did you do to try and understand what those barriers might be? So we we work on different areas. So
1: when we are working on projects, uh, we try to understand as much as possible where the uh, community where we work comes from and what can we do to really... Connect the two, uh, the, the two aspects. So the construction side of it and the and the and the social side of it. We establish uh, alliances with uh, local bodies, people that really know what's going on before we got there. Um, we work with different organisations. Uh, I mean, for example, I can name one. We worked in Lambeth called Second Chance. Uh, Second Chance is a social enterprise that work with uh, people that are out of education or benefits, but they are looking or have an interest into the construction industry. Uh, We had a number of uh, examples from people that came to do um, work experience with us for about five weeks. Those who were successful in these five weeks, they were offered a permanent job through our subcontractors because I think um, as well to integrate society into the construction business ourselves. As main contractors, sometimes don't have the opportunities, but if we go down the supply chain, they are able to provide these opportunities for people who have not necessarily a a degree, but an interest in the industry. So this is how we... Go to the bottom line on tapping into different uh, sector of society, and it's really extremely satis- satisfying when when you see, mm. you know, some cases uh, that they have developed and they now have a permanent job and they are getting into apprenticeships and um, you know it's something that really it's a, a rewarding part of mm. what we do.
0: Mm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, the supply the whole supply chain area is. It's so interesting, the amount of extra impact that you can leverage through working with all of those different sized organisations. And it's
1: challenging because it requires a lot of coordination, organisation and commitment. And for everybody to understand that every little helps mm. if everyone in the supply chain can provide with opportunities one or two opportunities uh, for for people from the local community that have an interest, we will little by little change the perception and we will be able to integrate these huge amazing infrastructure projects mm. that we work before they're even finished um, uh, which is you know the, the main the, the main goal mm. Um, but talking about recruitment, um, he, he, here, for example, in Ferrovia Lagroman in the UK, where we take graduates, people that are fresh from university, we try to go to two different pools. We go from Scotland to different universities here in London. So <clears throat> we engage with them on a one to one level. We try to go to their job fairs. Uh, sometimes, where we come, we if we come, we try to go as a company and do uh, take a, a lecture for for a, for a day and, and bring some of our experts and some of our graduates to talk about their experience how we work in here I mean Ferrovial UK Ferrovial Agroman UK it's part of a huge company we are 96,000 employees around the world, however here in the UK construction division, we are only a small company, we are about 500 uh, as I said, so so the culture—it's very much a culture of we know everybody by name, we we know their backgrounds, we take an interest on where they come from, what what are their aspirations, and and that's what we want to foster, mm. uh, making sure that everybody has a play and a place and a say here. Um, it's not always easy, mm. and it's not easy for anybody, I suppose, but it's uh, for me it's a really rewarding
0: job. Mm-hmm. That's great a lot of what the flavour of what you've just talked about is is quite on the ground type of work in the community yeah. outreach with different universities mm-hmm. that's quite time intensive work isn't it quite resource heavy.
1: Yeah. Um we do have a dedicated team of people uh that work on projects. Mm. Um because one thing is to talk about diversity and inclusion at a corporate level, uh, where we create the strategies and the things that we do at a more corporate level to train our people here. But I also like to see and to touch what that means on the ground. Yeah. How do we translate that into the projects where we work? How many people can we bring in? In the Northern Atlantic Center Project, in the so it's really important not to lose the connection between what is our wider strategy and vision mm. for the company, but what do we do on a day-to-day basis to
0: to make that uh, materialised? Mm. Mm. I mean, that's your talent pipeline, isn't it? You, you have you thought about going further back into schools?
1: We do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do programs yeah. with uh, uh, girls' uh, schools and primary and secondary school um, visits uh, you know, we'd celebrate the STEM week uh, promoting and, and breaking down stereotypes yeah. about what the construction industry is um, what different jobs are in the industries and some people think if you're not an engineer it's not much to do here but definitely we work as, as a city nearly, we have all, all sorts of, <laughs> of, of departments in, in a company like this, so
0: making sure people from a very young age realise that. It's a long game, isn't it? Mm. And it's good to hear of, an, of a company that's approaching it from that perspective, not mm. just looking for quick fixes, but actually yeah. thinking about the long, you know, that whole pipeline right back to school yeah. age.
1: The shortage of the skills in engineering is real. Mm. If mm. the country and, you know, the industry don't take... a not extreme measure, but strong measures into tackling this. We are going to be having real difficulties uh, in, in in a very few years
0: to, to find people to work mm. in our projects. Mm. So I know um, you mentioned in our earlier chat, before, before uh, coming into the room, that you don't tend to you sort of adopt the name blanking of CVs or anything mm. like that, purely predominantly from a practical reason because you actually don't have the volume often of, of applicants to that's warrant doing that. So it. what, yeah, so we, and that tells its own story about how real this problem is. Yeah. Um, so what are the sort of things that you're doing around the, the recruitment in this office? Right. So we do a number of things.
1: Um, so around, around recruitment, we, as, as, as you mentioned, we don't really work with name blanking uh, simply because we don't have the resources to kind of allocate our codes, and 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 do all of the admin. Really, we are so welcoming of all of the CBs that come that I, I don't think we are in a in a point where we would disregard mm-hmm. any CB because of 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 a name. However, we rely very much in our hiring managers. We work with agencies. Um, and we do a number of things to make sure the recruitment is as fair and, and as, as wide as possible. Something that we've done with yourselves, EW Group, for the last um, seven or eight months, we are now on the third edition of this training. It's on conscious bias in recruitment. We call it inclusive leadership training. And this is to work uh, with our hiring managers to make sure they have the tools they need to make the recruitment process from the selection to the filtering to the interview to the after interview feedback as fair as possible. Um, We work around defining inclusive job descriptions. We are passing on the message to our hiring managers to make job descriptions that are as neutral as possible. Uh, And then, you know, Allowing them to share their experience. Sometimes mm. in companies, I suppose it happened in many companies, you assume because people have been working for years, they know exactly what to do. And that's not necessarily the case when we're talking about, for example, unconscious bias. Mm. Uh, we all have them, uh, and it's a really humbling process that we go through in this training uh, with Yvonne, which is a fantastic uh, consultant in EW Group. And it's a fantastic transformation that we mm. feel goes on during that day for people to realize that we all have this bias. Sometimes they are not so unconscious, we talked about before, mm. they are quite conscious. Mm. Um, and to take away all this mask and, you know, look at things uh, how uh, for what they are, it's. Uh, I think it's creating a lot of growth uh, in mm. the company. Mm. Um where we come we are trying to incorpor- incorporate uh, flexible working arrangements so to widen again the, the pool of candidates uh, that are applying for the, the jobs that we offer and, um, and yeah I, I think um, it, it's a, a great journey that we started within the recruitment also we are trying to again have a, a, a stronger connection with the agencies that we use yeah so, they can understand uh, what's the culture they can widen the pool of candidates they are bringing us uh, mm-hmm. They can understand that we are looking to get uh, as as many and diverse uh, people to apply to our jobs as possible mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You know, if he's someone that wants to eliminate, please don't eliminate them because you might think is is someone is is not valid for a for a job, but it it might well really be. So you yeah. yeah. don't want to lose that opportunity.
0: Absolutely, you want the best person for the job at the end of the Absolutely. day, don't you, from the widest possible pool. So, exactly. oh, that's so great to hear all that. Um, mm-hmm. What have you? What have you done, or what might you do in the future to measure the difference that this training is making? Are you looking specifically at? Are you gathering some statistics from different parts of the recruitment process, or at this stage is it more anecdotal feedback from those managers, hiring managers that have been on the course? Right. So the things that
1: we're looking at is to measure, for example, how many people, how diverse the interviewing panels are. Yeah. Um, we weren't really measuring that before. Where now we are looking at having a group of, as you could call it, EDI champions, so people who are trained in inclusive recruitment that pro- probably don't have the technical experience for the interview, but do they do have the experience from an EDI perspective. Mm-hmm. So they are always part of that interviewing process okay. to kind of balance uh, our, or make sure the questions are appropriate and, and, and open as possible. Mm. So this is one of the things. The other thing that we do, and this comes from the diversity uh, strategy from our headquarters in in, in Spain is to include uh, a female candidate if it's possible in all of the recruitment processes. Mm-hmm. So to make sure we do have diversity of candidates yeah. because if they are not there... In the first mm. place, is it's difficult to, to end up with, with a diverse uh, candidate finally taking the job. So making sure that we do have a diverse pool of candidates before they come for the interview.
0: Yeah. In every interviewing process, that's uh, really important. And then a panel which reflects, which mirrors that diversity. So you, I presume you, you try and get a female panel member. Yeah, female panel member, uh,
1: people from different backgrounds. Yeah. Um doesn't necessarily have to be from a street diverse background, but people that are trained and understand mm. diversity and they can represent that diversity. Yeah. So. Um, I yeah.
0: think that's a great tip. It's a. It's a, It costs nothing. Just Absolutely. takes a little bit of time thinking through, thinking through the panel from a diverse perspective. Do I have the skills here? Do I have? Um, do I have a group of people who, will represent the candidates in all of their diversity I think that's it's it's an easy win for people yeah and I
1: think sometimes companies we get frustrated by oh my god am I gonna have to have a a representative of every diversity group Mm. on my board or do I have to have a representative of every diversity group on my interviewing panels well ideally you probably would but for now, it's fantastic if you can have people that embodies that diversity, that understand this diversity mm. and that can work as champions to welcome, you know, a diverse group of people. So this is what we are working on um, at the moment. And, you know, it's it's a long run, but I'm very happy the conversation is going and mm. And definitely there is an appetite from from the company and definitely from the industry to make this an absolute
0: priority mm. as it
1: should be. Mm.
0: Fantastic. So we um, set ourselves a, a little challenge before this podcast that we would try and come up with in our conversation. Yeah. Three tips for other companies, who might be listening to this, looking to create a more inclusive recruitment process. Mm-hmm. While you've been talking, I've been noting down a few of, what you've, a few of your tips yes. that you might have uh, unwittingly given us. Um, so, see if you agree with those, so these. So, I have um, understanding the barriers, Absolutely. first of all. You know, why, what's stopping you attracting and recruiting more diverse talent? Mm-hmm. Um, working with the supply chain? And actually, because your recruiters are part of that supply chain, aren't they? And you mentioned those a couple of, that group a couple of times.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. definitely passing down these commitments in terms of strategic level needs and training Mm. to the supply chain. Don't think you have to do everything yourself. If you have a huge supply chain that works with you and for you, make sure you pass down Mm. that, that culture requirements that diversity needs that you have don't have to do it all yourself mm-hmm. you can be a great ambassador for the supply chain they probably don't have as many resources as you or the knowledge but mm. hey they can help you we on the can journey. Yeah, yeah they can help us in the journey, and we can help them tapping into that talents mm. so it is a win-win yeah. really it is an educational
0: process for both yeah so yeah Okay, great. So that's two. Yeah. If we're happy with those two, what would the third one? What would the third one be? Training, or yeah, oh, training for your hiring managers. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, hiring managers, at the end of the day, they are the final say on I like this candidate or I don't like this candidate. So if we really want to make a difference, we need to start from them. Mm. If they know what their unconscious bias is, they will be more prepared in the next interview to make sure they don't judge at Mm. first sight um doing unconscious unconscious bias training it is useful so yeah i think training and educating the the workforce the people that is in contact with the whole of the recruitment process Mm. it really helps Mm. you know um to make sure we change the culture into a more diverse one we need to spread the word. We uh, myself as diversity manager really can't do anything on my own. It has to be uh, a teamwork. No. So yeah, working with the with the main actors of the recruitment process. In this case, the hiring managers. And something I, I think uh, really important that I don't stress enough. To hiring managers, please look at the difference. Stop for a second. What is urgent? and what is important. In an industry like the civil engineering, sometimes our recruitment needs are quite demanding, quick, mm-hmm. and we need to fill this position right now, right here. And we fill the position sometimes with the first candidate, the more obvious one, the more... Because yeah, the safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah. The, the autopilot one. We don't want to stop and think, OK, can I have a look at the different people that I have in here? Could I go a little bit further? So just allowing the hiring managers and, and the teams to say, just take a second, mm. take a second because it will really pay in the long run if we choose the right candidate, if we look for a, a more diverse pool. Yeah. yeah, So, you know, don't be afraid of just stopping and looking um, a bit further.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much oh, for all of you. your knowledge. Thank and you. what, and you've achieved a huge amount in just 12 months in, in a big job like this. So congratulations yeah. on all of that. Thank and you so much. I mean, uh, the, the, the reality
1: is that we have been working with yourself, with the EW group, with over three years, I think. Um, my role is quite new but um, we were doing uh, some background work before and we've been working with the communities uh, over the years since 2012 with Crosswell So definitely. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to continuing working with EW Group and and yes, thank you again for the insights. Me too.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing you know what's coming up in the future. You know what your future plans are. So um, yeah, lots lots of things. Yeah, lots of things. Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Mabel Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. I hope this episode gave you some ideas that you can replicate in your own organisation. We'd love it if you could leave a review and also subscribe to Reworked so you don't miss our next episode. Diversity and inclusion at work has never been higher up the agenda. The EW Group team includes learning and development specialists, facilitators, researchers and analysts, all with deep expertise in equality, diversity and inclusion. If you think we can help you rework your own culture, please get in touch.